Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. What's up, guys? Welcome. We're glad that you are here tonight, and I'm glad. Man, I wasn't here last week, and let me tell y'all, I missed you. I missed being here, and I think that it's, it's special to be here, and like, you, you know, like there's something good about gathering. God's Word says that where two or three people are gathered, that there he will be also, where there's more two or three people, and I believe that God's got something to say tonight. Somebody say amen. Touch somebody if you're excited to be here, okay? Come on. Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, God is working. Man, when, that, when the worship team was singing on that last song, I'm just like, yes, you know, like, yes, that God, like God loves you. And uh, I'm fired up to be here tonight. I'm excited. Um, and, and as we continue in this Full Sin series, and I want to do something tonight. Uh, I've been thinking about this and just how inundated we are with messages. Everything that you see on Netflix, everything you see on Instagram, everything you see wherever you're consuming content is trying to disciple you. It's so hard for us to unplug in today's day and age. I want to ask you to do something tonight because I believe that God wants to speak to you. I want you to, will you take your phone? What if you just turned your phone off? What if you just powered down your phone, no notifications, no text, no nothing. We'll have the words for you on the screen. You can read along if you got your Bible, you can read that too. But what if you just powered off? I mean, think about this. When in your week are you going to get an opportunity to just sit and listen to what God has to say to you. And tonight, we're in God's word tonight, and we're gonna see what does he have to say to us? Because here's what we believe here at Young Adults and here at High Street, that God's word is living, okay? It's living and it's active, and that it can speak to us right now in 2020. What if we just unplugged? What if we just, we really just engaged in what was going on? I told our team before this, I'm so, I was so inspired this last week. We had what was called Save Our City Revival here at High Street. And what that is, is we partnered with Freeway Ministries. They did all the work, we just hosted it for them. And Freeway Ministries is a group that works here in Springfield with individuals who are struggling with drug addiction, drug use, drug abuse, people from cycles and cycles of generational drug abuse in their families. And they're coming and they're seeing victory, just not over drugs by, their, by themselves, but victory over their drug addictions through Jesus. And I watched this people who were broken and hurting and had been down in the dumps, came and they, they got to worship. And I got to see them, people whose lives have been changed and who see what God has done in their life. And I just thought, man, they know what it's like to worship because they're really comprehending where they've been. And that's, that's our story. Your, your story might not be as dramatic as that, so you think, but that's all of our stories. We don't ever graduate that's needing God. I was reading a book this week, um, last night actually, and in it, in the book, the author was telling about that he had a friend who lived in India, and, and the guy was from just a meager background. He had virtually no material possessions, right? In America, we have so many material possessions. We have so many things. And this man who was from India who had nothing, in terms of what we would look at, we would say he was poor, he had nothing. But I believe, I believe he was rich in his spirit because he said this, I pray for people in America. And it's like, hold up, what? Like, okay, I pray for people in America. And the reason he said that was because he goes, I think it's so hard to see your need for God when you already have so much stuff. 
I think it's so hard to see how much you need God when you already have so many things. That's me. I caught myself even last night thinking like, man, what am I really thinking about? What am I really doing? What am I really like consuming in my life? And I want more of God. And I want, I want that for you as well tonight. And we're continuing in this full sin series. And really what we're talking about is we're going through the book of Colossians. Uh, and I'll, I'll rehash this a little bit. Pretty much what this is is a guy named Paul who was one of the leaders in the early church, wrote most of the New Testament. He is writing to a group of people who he's never met. That's weird in and of itself, okay? Some of y'all have like shot that random Facebook message off to a girl you were trying to hit, hit on and you never talked to her before. It's kind of weird a little bit. So you just talk to her in person. Not that, not that it's not bad, all right? I'm, shoot your shot, okay? But Paul was, <laughs> Paul was spiritually shooting his shot to the Colossian uh, church. And so he's, he's, he's talking to them and, and he's really pointing out that Christ needs to be preeminent in their lives, that Jesus needs to be preeminent, that all the different things that are going on in culture and all these different movements that are going on within the church, he's saying, no, Jesus is preeminent. That's what's going on here in this story. And what we're going to talk about tonight, and here's why we're going to talk about it, is why it's so important. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? Do you want to become a better version of yourself? Do you want to improve as a person? Do you have goals and you want to see a change in your life? I certainly do. I think almost every, I've not met somebody who is like, even the laziest of people, they still care about something. They still care about getting better at something. And we all have these goals and desires to grow as a person. And so how do we do that? How do we do that? And What's funny is like, how do we grow in maturity? And have y'all ever had an immature moment in your life? I've had several, okay? I'm 29 now. I'm not growing out of them yet. And I want to tell y'all a story. I put this on Instagram that I was going to share it, and I still hesitate. Does anybody like wrestling a little bit? Like, not like wrestling like WWE, but like, anybody like to wrestle? Nobody? Anybody just like break out? And yeah, I've seen those BBC fight videos going around, so I know something's going on over there on the Christian campus, but... uh, uh Man, like sometimes I like to wrestle. I'm just going to be honest with you. And the older I get, the fewer opportunities I have. Like in high school, you know, like, yeah, you can like get that aggression out. And so um, actually like three years ago, Pastor Eddie Lyons, who's a senior pastor of this church, his son, Rob Lyons, and I, good friends, my man, Corey Johnson, who's serving up in production this week, we all three hung out a lot. And Rob and Corey had an apartment, and this was like three years ago, so I was 26, mind you. Uh, about three years ago, we were at their apartment. You know, just you ever had just a wrestling time breakout? We're just like, I know it sounds weird. Some of y'all are laughing. I feel weird saying it. I'm getting like kind of hot up here as I'm I'm telling this story. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but we're we're wrestling and we're in the upstairs of an apartment and we're three 26-year-old dudes. They might have been 27 at the time. And what happens is we hear a knock on the door. We're like running around, like running into each other and stuff, you know, throwing DD slammers around and all that. And uh and there's a knock on the door and everyone freezes. And Rob, this is not my apartment. Rob goes, hey, dude, go answer the door. I'm like, I am not answering the door. This is not my apartment. And what had happened was we actually woke the downstairs neighbor's like niece up. She was taking a nap. And so the person, the lady comes to the door and was asking us to quiet down at 26 for uh, a wrestling match. And at that moment, I knew that I should go back home to my wife and act a little bit more mature. Um, I like wrestling sometimes. 
You know, what are you going to do? Uh, and so that was an embarrassing moment where I was like, wow, like that shouldn't happen at 26. 22, okay, 18, sure. But 26 shouldn't happen. Immature moments. We have them. Some of them are funny. But sometimes it's not so funny. It's not so funny when you have a spiritually immature moment. It's not so funny when you make a mistake that hurts somebody else. That's the worst feeling. So how do we grow spiritually? How do we grow in terms of who we are as a person? And what kind of goes against culture is like we're all in for growth. But you see a lot of different people talk about it in different ways, right? And I love self-help books because I love reading through them. And anything that's good in them, I'm like, this is just a spiritual principle, a principle from God's word that is actually true. Be humble. Sure, got it. But a lot of these, a lot of these self-help books, they're so focused on you and being introspective. And there is a very important part of being introspective and evaluating yourself But really what we're going to see from this passage tonight is that maturity comes, spiritual maturity comes, that as you internalize God's word and you understand it, that then you become outward focused. You have a job to do. You become outward focused. And I think that Paul, my man Paul, was on a mission when he's writing this. You can just see it dripping off the pages that he had a purpose behind what he was writing. And I think that purpose still exists for us tonight in 2020. So Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 24 to start it off. And it says this, it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his, all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Go back up to verse 24, and the first thing he says is, I, rejo- I want you to know that like, I rejoice in my sufferings. Hold up, Paul. I'm not trying to rejoice in any sufferings. Anyone give me an amen on that one? I don't want to suffer. I definitely don't, like, don't want to suffer for you, okay? I definitely don't want to suffer for you. I don't, I don't want to suffer. How much of our lives we spend trying to avoid suffering, And Paul is saying, no way, I actually rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, this next line, let's talk about this for a second, because it can be a little confusing. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body that is the church. Was something that Jesus did lacking? No. What Jesus did on the cross was not lacking. Jake just talked about it, that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, free of sin, but he was killed for no reason other than to fulfill what God's plan was all along, that he would be the savior and hope of the world. There was nothing lacking in what Christ did on the cross. And what I mean by that is that if you're in a relationship with Jesus, if you said yes to following Jesus, if you believe that he was the son of God and he died on a cross and that takes away your sin, that's it, it's done. There's nothing lacking in that. 
But what Paul is referring to here is that Christ very much suffered while he was here on earth. Go read through the Gospels. Go read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So many of the Gospels, of the four Gospels, so much of the majority of the writing is actually committed to the time where he is marching towards the end of his life. And you see the gruesome nature in what he experienced. He was constantly under persecution. His followers were constantly under persecution. The, what, what Paul is saying here is Christ is no longer with us. He has been crucified, risen, and he's now at the right hand of God. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And what Paul is saying is like, I'm carrying on the struggle that Jesus was going through. I don't need to add anything to it, but I'm carrying on and sharing in that. The same way Jesus suffered, like can you imagine the mental toughness that takes? That doesn't just come from inside of you. Paul is saying, I'm going to rejoice in my struggling because Jesus struggled when he was here. And I'm continuing the work that he gave me. Suffering is not comfortable. I don't like to suffer. And in my Western mindset, so much of what I do is often to just prevent the struggle. It's to prevent the suffering. Do you know somebody that's left the church because they have the question of, if God is good, how can there be suffering in this world? Have you ever thought about that? How can there be suffering in the Christian life? Jesus never promises, God never promises in his word that suffering is not a part of what we go through. And on the flip side of that, think about how many times, if, if you're someone who's struggling with like, how does God allow suffering? Think about all of the times that God has delivered people from suffering. On the flip side of that, how many times has God delivered people from suffering? He's still a good God. But what Paul is saying here is, I rejoice in this. Why? He said, because in verse 25, of which I became the minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. At the end of verse 24, he talks about like, I'm here for the church. Why? Because I'm a minister. God has appointed me. I have work to do. And then he's, he stewarded me with this to make the word of God fully known. That as a believer, like when you enter into that, the reason you can rejoice in suffering is because you have a mission, and that mission is to make the word of God fully known. And I want you to think about this when it comes to suffering. There's a very, this is a very real thing here, is that at the end of your life, you're either going to spend an eternity in heaven with God the creator, or you're going to spend an eternity separated from him in hell, full of suffering unimaginable. Never ending if you don't have a relationship with him. So if you're suffering in this life and you're not a believer, what's the point of your suffering? You're just, you're just kind of getting an early intro into what you're going to experience for the rest of eternity. But if you're a believer, you can make sense out of your suffering. And that's not a cop-out, that's just truth. That you can make sense out of what you're going through and you can use that. You know what's crazy? Is sometimes people's biggest hurt is their greatest testimony. We just recorded Kyle Rhodes' testimony video. Kyle's over here sitting on the front row. We recorded it yesterday morning. And I've got to sit down and listen with Kyle, share his story. And I see that his biggest hurt that he's been through in his life is now one of his greatest motivators in what he's doing. Only God can take that struggle and turn it into something. That's why Paul is saying that here. That's a beacon of maturity right there. That he's become a minister to steward the word of God. 
that this is a mystery that was hidden from ages to generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Gentiles at this time, right, God's people in the Old Testament all the time before Jesus were the Jewish people. He interacted with them in a special and unique way. His word and his law was for them. And then what he does upon Jesus, he opens it up for everybody. He opens it up for everybody and says this hope that you can have is now available to every single person. And that's still available to you. I mean, Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you've been through, that hope is made known to you. This mystery. Isn't that a mystery? Like, isn't that, isn't that crazy that like this mystery has been revealed to us? God has chosen to show us this. He's chosen to reveal his son to us. He's chosen to reveal this hope that we can have in life and for eternity. That this mystery has been revealed. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. And here's the deal. I'll put it to you this way, kind of like I've already said, is that maturity, spiritual maturity, Y'all heard that word before, and it's kind of like something you might hear in church circles, and uh, maybe you hear a group of girls talking like, yeah, he's really spiritually mature too. He's cute also. And it's like, yeah, you should go for it. Like, I would totally do that. And spiritual maturity is like a way we describe someone like, I want to be spiritually mature. Like, let, let me, like, that's what I want people to describe me as. Do you know what spiritual maturity looks like? And, and the thing is, is we know it. it's like an intangible. You don't always know how to describe it, but you can see it. You can see it in somebody. I can see it in people on our team here at Young Adults and people in this church that are serving every week, that are coming here early and that are staying late. They're not getting paid. The only reason they're here is for the mission. And you can see it on people. And what that looks like is it looks like knowing God's word and understanding God's word and engaging in God's word. And then it looks like taking that inward focus, internalizing what God is saying to you through his scripture, and then going outwardly focused. Do you know the people you don't want to be around is the people that are always talking about themselves. Y'all like to talk about yourself? Sometimes I like to talk about myself. I, I, I'm an extrovert, and, and you hear me talking, and I enjoy telling stories of my daughter. I enjoy uh, talking about a softball game I played in last night. I enjoy doing all these different things and telling you how what I'm going, like what I have going on. But how often am I taking time and investing it in other people? If you want to grow, start thinking of yourself less and start thinking of other people more. That's what humility looks like. And it's understanding God's word. And I want you to think about this. As we read through that again in verse 28, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. When you understand God's word and like what Paul's saying here is like you have an understanding of that word and you're engaging in it and you're pursuing sexual purity. When you're pursuing not drunkenness, when you're not pursuing pridefulness, but when you're pursuing Sexual purity, 
uh, you know, you're pursuing humility, when you're pursuing these things, when you're pursuing godly things, when you're pursuing honoring other people, when you're pursuing viewing every single other person that you meet as someone that was fearfully and wonderfully made by God and knitted together in their mother's womb, that when you're viewing people as that and you're not looking at them as a problem, but you're looking at them as someone who was created by God on purpose, for a purpose, that's where spiritual maturity comes from, is you understanding God's word, internalizing that, right? Being introspective with that, and then going outward. Paul is writing here to a group of people he's never met. He's never stepped foot there in Colossae. He'd never been there. But he has this passion for people. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and because of his understanding of who God is and what his mission was. That's the same attitude we're supposed to have. That's what spiritually mature people look like. They understand God's word, and then they go, and they pour into people. And some of you might be in here, and you're so miserable in your life right now is because you're just thinking about yourself. And I don't blame you. I'm not pointing a finger at you and saying uh, you're at fault. This is what the world teaches us. It's easy to get caught in this trap. But the more that you think about yourself, the more that you think about your own problems. The more that you become unthankful. But as you start to shift your focus outward and you start caring about other people, your life will radically and drastically change. Our society talks about the hustle. Our society talks about you got to get yours. Our society talks about all these different things, that you need to do what makes you happy, that you need to find your own truth, that you need to just seek your own happiness. Do the things that make you happy. When God's word says, no, 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 I give you happiness. God says, happiness comes through me. I'm the one who created joy. You only have true joy when you're in me and when you understand my word. And then when you help others understand that word and help them become fully mature, warning everyone and teaching them my ways, that's what spiritually mature, spiritual maturity looks like. As the band comes out and we, we wrap up here with verse 29, it says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Do you think your, your ministry, do you think your ministry, do you think your life is dependent upon your own energy? I don't have enough in the tank to keep going. I get depleted too fast. I can't keep going. But what does Paul say here? For this I toil. He's obviously working, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Are you tired tonight? How easy it is for us to slip into a mindset when it's all about our own doing, our own strength, our own toughness, I love uh, like military leadership books. I love um, hearing stories of people who have done um, these just great acts of mental toughness, whether it be physical challenges or whatever they've done. You know, these people that run ultra marathons and do all these things, I love seeing these stories. I, I love watching how people can push themselves and do these things. But you know what, you, you see a theme in that sometimes. And it is all about the person's own toughness. It's all about their own strength. 
And that might all be good and well physically. That might just kind of, again, applying a scriptural principle to your life, but not really understanding that you were applying a scriptural principle to your life. You might be outward focused and be like, I'm just gonna be mentally tough. I'm gonna grit my way through life and I'm gonna pour into other people, but you might not know Jesus. And at the end of your life, what are you gonna get for that? On the flip side of that, what if in young adulthood right now, you decided to spend the rest of your life not relying upon your own strength, but on the strength of the Holy Spirit Scripture is very clear that when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, into your life as a guide, as a counselor, as a helper, encouraging you, showing you the way. And you don't have to rely on just your own strength, but you get to rely on God the Creator, God the Father, His strength with the Holy Spirit guiding you through life, that no matter what comes your way, it might not be joyful, but you can have joy in it. It might be the world could look at you and say, how could they possibly move on? And it's not because of your own effort, but it's because of what God's doing in you. I have a brother-in-law who I never met. My wife's brother was killed in a car accident when he was 19 years old and I never met him. And I got to see what I've gotten to witness over the last five to seven years of of knowing my wife and her family is a strength that you can't even, you can't even put it into words because I have my own daughter now. And the thought of losing her would rip me apart but I've got to see how my father-in-law, when they, the police officers knocked on their door and told him that their son was no longer with them anymore. What he said to his wife, my father-in-law said to my mother-in-law, we're not gonna let this tear us apart. Do you know how many people, how many married couples separate after tragedy like that? A lot. And I got to, I've witnessed over the last seven years, they just have a hope in something greater. You can't explain it, but all I know is They're rooted in God's word. I'm gonna try to explain it. They're rooted in God's word and they're outward focused. And that's it. That's the suffering, but it's also been their testimony. And so I don't know what you've been through. And I'll finish with this story. My daughter, I love her to death. She's so awesome. And it's the joy of my life to get to be a parent. And last week, I let her do something that she wasn't supposed to do. Actually, my wife just told me to stop letting her do it, and I was encouraging her and prompting her to continue. She was running down a slide in our living room, and I thought it was funny. Like, I'm trying to train up an athlete, right? Don't, I don't want a non-athlete, okay? She got to be at least the best athlete she can be, okay? And she's running down the slide. She did it over and over again. She's laughing, having the time of her life. And then she steps off the slide wrong, and she twists her ankle, and I can see it. That like, it looked like it hurt, and she doesn't have a whole lot of body control. And so at first, I felt bad because she went off crying to her mom, and I felt bad. I did. I felt bad, but then it got worse because I realized that this wasn't just a normal time she was hurting. My daughter, who I look at, who's not even two. Some of y'all saw her out running around earlier not even two years old and she's limping. And I'm watching her and it's crushing my heart 
and I felt so bad. And somebody like, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. When you have your own kid, that's a huge deal. My daughter was hurt because I did something with her that I shouldn't have let her do. And she was hurting because I didn't, I didn't protect her. And so I, that hurt, and, and she went to bed that night, and she woke up the next morning, and the whole time I was praying, like, God, please don't. Let her be okay, God. Like, come on, heal, heal her. And the next morning she wakes up, and she takes a step, and she took two steps, and she looks at me, and she just starts crying because it still hurt. And she doesn't know how to process. She can't tell me what's going on. I can't, she can't comprehend exactly what I'm saying to coach her through it. And I just remember looking at, at her in that moment. And I went on a walk with like, she's fine now, okay? So you all can take a deep breath. She didn't break anything or whatever. It's like rubber bones in there. And, and she's, she's good. But the next morning, I went on a walk with her after she started feeling better. And I thought, you know what? Actually, I had her in the stroller because she wasn't walking. And I, I thought, you know what? The love that I have for her like that's nothing compared to the way that God loves me. That's nothing compared to the way that God loves you. And I love her a whole lot, but that's nothing compared to the way God the creator loves you. And so you might be in a season right now where you're limping and you're hurting and spiritually you're weak and you're going through and you're not sure if you can make it and keep going and you're in pain and you need help and you don't have all the words to say. You don't know how to comprehend what's going on. You don't know how to tell somebody what's happening and God is looking at you and he's saying, I love you, I created you, I care about you. You can rejoice in your sufferings because of me. I can fill you with the Holy Spirit and you can have an energy in your life to continue on and to press on. And guess what, if your life doesn't get better, here on earth, it's going to be okay for eternity because you're going to be with me fully healed. No weeping, no hurting, no pain in heaven, in eternity with God. And then all you have to do to accept that is to say yes to following Jesus. That you have to admit that you have sin in your life and believe in him. And if you've never done that today, it will be the best decision that you've ever made. Would you walk out of this room today having not made that decision? If you feel something that's tugging at your heart, that's not me speaking. That's not a motivational pep talk. What that is is the Holy Spirit prompting you right now, saying you need Jesus in your life. And some of y'all are believers in here and you're hurting. People might not even know you're hurting. They might not even know. You might have sin in your life that is absolutely wrecking you and nobody knows about it but you do and God does and you need to come to the altar tonight right up here and you need to lay that before God you see niggas say God I need help I'm struggling you need to confess that sin you need to come to somebody and repent and turn from it and some of y'all are sitting here listening to this and I hope that you're welling up with a burden for somebody else in your life who doesn't have this hope and you're saying I've got to share this with them I, will you come and pray for them what if, you're the, what if you're the message of hope? This is your spiritual maturity opportunity. Start focusing outward. Will you come and you pray for those people? And I'm just gonna ask you, man, when we, when we start to worship again, we have a limited amount of time left. When else are you gonna get this opportunity this week to completely unplug, to completely focus on who God is? Let's worship and let's not waste an opportunity here. Let's pray.